Joshua chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the whole of Joshua 7 and 8. I'm not going to read it all, but we'll talk about the stories that are involved here. <clears throat> but as we, last week, I preached on victory and the importance of victory and getting victory in our lives over sin and temptation and problems and things that weigh us down. <clears throat> and today, you know, as I've been praying about that and pondering over that, I said, Lord, what can I do to build on that to be in help and encouragement? And you know, one of the things that I've found in my own life is that any time I've had a victory of any sort, it's followed by a challenge. And often we trip, we fall. But you know, a person who fails is not a failure. He's only a failure when he becomes, when he, when he stops trying to succeed. You may trip, you may stumble, but you're not a failure until you stop trying to succeed. And so, we need to press on. And with that in mind, the book of Joshua, chapter 7 and 8, describes a situation when Israel had just entered into the promised land. And, <coughs> excuse me, God had just given them the victory over the city of Jericho. And Jericho was a city called the City of Palm Trees. It was about 16 kilometers northwest of the Dead Sea. So if you picture in your mind this the map of Israel and the Dead Sea down at the bottom, and about 16 kilometers northwest of that uh, was uh, Jericho. It was in the valley, the Jordan Valley, and uh, about 243 feet below sea level. So it was way down low, tropical, warm, humid. But this was Jericho. And Jericho was a massive city with high walls and a very strong structure. We don't know details as far as how tall the walls were, but one thing we do know is the walls were so thick that they built houses on top of them. These were not dinky little walls. These were big walls, and they were massive walls. And God told Joshua that they were to march around that city. And he said, march around it once a day for a week. And on the seventh day, he said, I want you to march around it seven times and then blow the trumpets and shout and God would blow, knock over the walls. And God did exactly what he said. At the, at the uh, blowing of those trumpets and the shout of the people, the walls started to shake and they fell down flat and the people were able to go in there and conquer the city. Can you imagine the terror of the people in that city when all of a sudden everything's fine and they're in there laughing at these idiots that are walking around their, how, around their city blowing their little trumpets and then all of a sudden there's a, I don't know whether God sent an earthquake or whether God just said fall over and those walls just tipped over and fell over. But those walls fell over, and they went into the city and conquered the city and wiped them out, just as God said. But God had told them some very specific things before they went in, some rules that they were to follow. And one was that they were to take nothing for themselves out of this first city. This was the first city in the land. It was like the first fruits of their conquering. And God said, this one belongs to me. None of the stuff in it's yours. It's all mine. You're not to take any of it. Now, he says, all the other cities you will conquer, they're yours. And you can take all the spoil for yourselves. And all the, the cattle and all the, the belongings, they're all yours. The only thing you have to destroy is the idols. But the rest of it's all yours. But he says, this first city's mine. And you leave it alone. And as you progress through the story, we see in, the, in chapter 6, that they, they won the battle. But then we enter into chapter 7. 
And it says here, but the children of Israel committed a trespass and a cursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men to Jericho, uh, from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and uh, spake unto them, saying, Go up, view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let but about two or three thousand people, uh, men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people labor thither, for they are but a few. So they went up thither, and the people of, uh, of the people, about three thousand men, and they fled before Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto uh, Sheshbarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now you can just imagine. They had just conquered this massive city of Jericho. Now they are going to attack this little dinky city. An easy one. And the spies said, don't worry about this, Joshua. This one's an easy one. We can handle this. No problem. Just send about 3,000 men. That'll be all. 2,000 would be sufficient. We'll wipe them out with no problem at all. And they went up there to attack the city, and they got defeated. And 36 men of Israel died in the defeat. Notice what Joshua does in verse 6. And Joshua went, rent his clothes. He tore his clothes in grief and fell upon the earth uh, be, upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and all the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies. And the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear it of it and environ around, uh, around and cut off our name from the earth. That, and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thee upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also not transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they, have, uh, they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. What a tragedy. So Joshua falls on his face. He's crying his heart out. His clothes are torn. He's weeping before the Lord. And he's praying, saying, God, what am I going to do? Now just picture in your mind. It's important for us to picture all the details. How long had Joshua been in charge? Not very long. He had taken the place of Moses, the great man of God who had led them for 40 years. Moses was a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God, and the people feared Moses. Now Joshua, Joshua's taking over. Joshua's 40 years younger than Moses was. 
He's still 80-some years old, but he's still a young man compared, or old man compared to the other people. But he's, he's the leader now. Joshua's in charge. And the first battle went great. They defeat the city, and everybody's saying, yeah, Joshua's a great leader. We're, we're going to be. And then they get defeated on their second battle over a dinky little city. And Joshua's saying, God, what are we going to do? I'm in big trouble because people aren't going to follow me. If they get defeated by a little tiny city like that, what are we going to do? And God says, Joshua, get up. It's not that you sinned. You've got to deal with the sin. Now, here in this situation, applying it to our situation here, we've looked at the victory. Last week we preached on victory, and I hope that some of you took that home with you and you said, I'm going to get some victories in my life. I'm going to do some things in my life that need to be changed. We're going to make some changes. I'm going to get victory over some things that shouldn't be there. And you worked at it, but then you may have stumbled. You may have struggled. You may have said, oh, this is too hard. I can't do this. Habits are hard to break. Habits are very hard to break. And we trip, we fall, and then we feel like defeated and and like quitting, and I, I just can't do this. It's not going to work, and I don't. I, I can't handle this. And we feel like it's never going to work. And just like Joshua here, God says, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. You got to deal with it. And as we look at this this morning, I want us to notice here some things that God requires of us if we're going to maintain victory. It's one thing to get victory, but to maintain that victory is another story. How are we going to maintain victory in our lives on a daily basis? And I find several things here in this passage that will help us. Number one, we've already alluded to it, and that is obedience. Obedience. To maintain victory, God requires that we obey. And God gave Israel very clear instructions regarding what he wanted. Chapter 6 and verse number 18 and 19, God had told the people before they entered into Jericho, He said, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and of iron are consecrated unto the Lord, ye shall come and shall, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. God made it very clear. He said, leave the treasures alone, they're mine. Leave them alone. The people knew. You know, the problem was not that they did not know what was right. Their problem was they didn't obey what was right. Achan decided that, boy, that sure looks nice, I'm going to take it. You know, you stop and think about Achan's situation. It's just like us. So many times we're tempted to do something that doesn't... If you look at it from a logical perspective, you think, that is a stupid thing to do. I mean, why would he steal this Babylonish garment and silver from the city? When was he going to wear this coat? I mean, where are you, he's striding around in his new coat. Hey, do you, Aiken, where'd you get your new coat? Um, um, uh, well, I don't know. I, I just got it. I'm worried he's not going to be able to wear it. And Aiken, you are a poor man. How come all of a sudden you've got pockets full of money? How, what's he going to say? It's not, it doesn't make any sense, but he, he lusted after it. He says, I've got to have that. Oh, that's nice. I've got to have it. And you know, sometimes in our own lives, we face the same things. Things that we feel like i just got to have. 
I want to look at that. I want to go there. I want to say that. They've irritated me, so I'm going to vent my expressions against them. I, I'm just, I want to do what I want to do. And we know what's right, but we don't do what's right. You know, our problem, just like Israel's many times, is not that we do not know, but that we don't do. We have clear instructions in the scriptures. God, if God has given us victory over temptation, we know what we need to do to maintain that. We know what we need to do. When we're tempted to yield to a sinful habit, we know that we need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. We know that. When we are Tempted to spew out our anger in unkind words when somebody upsets us. We know the right thing to do is to shut our mouths and keep quiet. We know that, but it's hard to do. When our eyes are tempted to take a peek at pornography or something that we shouldn't be looking at, we know what is right, and we know we need to flee, but doing it's another story. The devil knows our weaknesses. And when he tempts us to give in, we know that yielding is sin. And you know, just like we talked last week, every one of us has our own particular areas of life where we are weak. It varies between each of us. What may be alluring to you doesn't even appeal to somebody else. But we all have those weaknesses. It may be our mouth, it may be our eyes, it may be our ears, it may be something else's brings us into this, and we're lured to do something we shouldn't do. Our desires, our appetites, our hungers, our our wants. And God God wants us to stand strong. And the devil knows. The devil's cunning. The devil will come to us and make all kinds of excuses and tell us it's okay and everybody's doing it and and you couldn't help it and and what, what he expected to do. And he gives us all these reasons why we ought to yield. Like Israel, our problem is not ignorance. Our problem is obedience. That's really the bottom problem. Psalm 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How are we going to cleanse our way? How are we going to keep our way clean? God says, Obey the scriptures. We know that. I know that. You know, and listen, folks, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because I'm in the same boat that you're in. We all face the same things. When temptation crumbs our way, we know what is right. That's not the problem. Very seldom do we face something and say, I just don't know. And, you know, the, the scriptures actually even deal with that. Remember Paul, he dealt with doubtful things. He said, if it's doubtful, don't. All right, so that settles that one too. But So we know what we're supposed to do, but we are tempted to do what we want to do. One of the things that can help us is to memorize verses that address our weakness and quote them to the devil. That's what Jesus did. Remember Jesus? What book of the Bible did Jesus quote from every time when he was quoting when the devil was tempting him? Remember what book of the Bible that was? Deuteronomy. How many of you have memorized the verses out of Deuteronomy? Probably not too many. He was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy and saying that we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, he quoted the scriptures to the devil. Now, if Jesus Christ, the God Almighty, 
had to quote the scriptures to the devil to get him to back off, how much more do we? We need to memorize the word. Those verses I put in your bulletin can help you. Go through those verses, look them up, and say, that's the one I need for my problem. And memorize it. Memorize it. Write it out on a little card, stick it in your pocket, stick it in your purse, carry it with you, whatever you need to do, but memorize that thing and refer to it regularly until you can use it as an ammunition to protect yourself and defeat the devil. We need to do that. Without question, temptation pulls us like a powerful magnet. I remember one of the first times I can remember a magnet. I was just a little boy. And my dad had a, I don't, I don't remember where he got them, but he had these two little dogs, just little teeny dogs, a white dog and a black dog. And they were only teeny tiny things, but on the bottom of these dogs was a magnet. And I remember I was laying in bed one day, and Dad came in, and, t- and he had those dogs on this piece of paper. And with his hand underneath, he had another magnet. He's moving it around. I said, how are you doing that, Dad? How are you making those dogs move? But it's the magnet pulling it. And you know the same thing is true with us. Mag- the powerful magnet-like energy of the devil pulling us towards sin. Sin is a powerful grip. Every one of us. We struggle with sin's temptations. It lures us. It pulls us. It may be an addiction. It may be just a habit. It may be our mouth. It may be our thoughts. It, but it's pulling us. And we just, oh, we struggle. Obedience is not easy. But with God and His help, it's possible. Obedience is possible. God doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31 is an awesome verse. The Apostle Paul wrote, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? (laughs) Now you think about that. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's on your side, you cannot lose. There's nobody that can compete with God. The devil doesn't even need a match for God. God can just speak and he's... That's, he, he, devil has no power over the Lord. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So, what that means is I need to be on God's side. If I'm not walking close to God, I'm in trouble. But if I'm walking close to God, I'm in perfect safety. So are you. We need closeness to God. That's why we read there in James where he says, Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. We need that closeness with God. But as we continue on here, not only do we need obedience to maintain victory, but we also need confession. There's times that we're going to trip. Maybe we don't full-blownly fall flat on our face, but we, we, we didn't do right. And in those times, we need to confess to the Lord. You know, you think about what Joshua did. As soon as they got defeated, what did he do? He immediately tore his clothes in grief and he ran to God and said, God, I need your help. What are we going to do? And he ran to God for help. And that's exactly what we need. We need to run to God and cry out to God for help and strength when we've been defeated and we've been down. We see that Joshua... 
sought God's mind on this, and God told him what the solution was. In chapter 7, verse 12, God said, the, the solution is you got to deal with this. All right, verse 12, he says, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they, they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. He says, you've got to get rid of the problem. When we get defeated, we too must wisely run to God. You know, Satan will try to get us to hide our failures. I mean, oh, Achan, can you imagine the sweat he must have been feeling? You know, they lost the battle and Achan's thinking, oh, boy, I hope that didn't have anything to do with me. And then, then Joshua falls on his face and God said, Somebody sinned. And so Joshua announces it to all the leaders of the people and they announce it to all the people. Somebody has sinned and that's why we lost the battle. And Achan, he's probably going, boy, it's getting a little warm in here. And then he says, all right, bring all the people before you. And he brought them before him by tribes. And he said, take the tribe of Judah. And Achan said, hmm, somebody turned the heat up a little more. And it got down to the family, got down to the fathers, and it got down to his, his family. And then they called his name, and he came and stand before, he stood before Joshua. And Joshua said in verse number 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, I pray thee, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now, what hast thou done? Hide it not from me. And Achan said, answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels uh, of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight. Then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they are hidden the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So he told the truth then. But the consequences were were deadly. God said he's going to have to die. He caused the death of 36 men. And now Achan had to lose his life. It was a tragic time. You know, when Satan will try to get us to hide our failures... He'll try to get us to say, well, it wasn't that bad, or I've got an excuse. Or, and, and he tries to give us all these reasons why it was okay that we failed. And God says, no, what we need to do is admit to God and say, God, I was wrong. And Achan did what was right. He finally coughed up and said, hey, I was guilty. I did wrong. I sinned. I took what I wasn't supposed to. I disobeyed God. He admitted it. And that was the first step to getting the problem of Israel solved. It was a painful consequence, but it was the thing that needed to be done. When we fail the Lord, there's the Lord is there to help when we fail. God doesn't want us to just feel like, I failed, I'm done, I'm ruined, I'm finished, I can't do it, it's, it's useless, I might as well give up. That's what the devil wants us to think. But the Lord is there to help us. First John chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And 
If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He said, I don't want you to sin. But if you sin, you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What is an advocate? An advocate's a lawyer. An advocate's a solicitor. An advocate's one that's going to stand with you and say, I will help you through this situation. And Jesus Christ will stand there and say, Father, I paid for this sin in full. It's okay. I've taken care of it. It's paid for in full. And God the Father will be appeased when Jesus Christ deals with it in full. It's taken care of. We have an advocate with the Father. So when we fall on our face, we need to run to God and say, God, I need your help. I am guilty. I failed. I need your help. And Jesus Christ will stand there and say, God, Father, he's asked for forgiveness, and I've paid the price on his behalf, and I have forgiven him. It's okay. That is a wonderful truth. That's something that Achan didn't have. Achan didn't have... Oh, he admitted to God whether he was forgiven by God. I don't know the answers to that. God doesn't tell us any of those details. But in our lives, when we fail, God says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to practice the victory steps in James chapter 4. I alluded to them last week. But let's just turn over to James chapter 4. I want you to see these. If you don't have them marked in your Bible, you really need to mark them. Better yet, you need to memorize them. Because these verses, James chapter 4, way to the end of your Bible, Hebrews, James, James chapter 4, and look at verses 7 to 10. I call these the victory steps because God tells us exactly what to do when we have a, a stumble. Verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So God said, the first thing we need to do is submit to God. and Come to God and say, God, I need your help. I have failed, or I'm being tempted. And he doesn't specify here whether it's we've already failed or whether we're about to fail, but the devil's on our back. And he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why will the devil uh, flee if you resist? Because he says you've submitted to God and now God is on your side and the devil cannot stand against God. He will flee from you. Draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So God says, get yourself clean before me. Come and confess your sins and get right with me. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. He said, you need to be sorrowful over your sin. God's not impressed by us saying, oh God, I made a little bit of a boo-boo here. Sorry about that, God. Uh, I'll do better next time. No, God wants us to be brokenhearted over and say, God, what I did was wicked and wrong. I failed you. It was not right. And I'm sorry for that. I'm brokenhearted over that. And it grieves me to the heart because I did that, God, and I'm sorry. I said, I want you to be truly sorry in your heart. And then he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. God said, if we will humble ourselves to him and say, God, I'm guilty. I failed you. I'm wrong. You're right. Would you please forgive me? God says, if we do that, he will, if we humble ourselves before him, he will lift us up. He will strengthen us. He'll give us victory. That's what God wants. 
See, God wants all of us to live in victory and to maintain victory. We need these victory steps and we need to follow them. So it's not a matter of what we don't know. We do know what to do. God says, just do what I've asked you to do. And you can have victory. All of us can have victory. We can maintain that victory on a daily basis. And that's what God wants. We need to claim the cleansing of God's promises. You know, the verse I quoted a moment ago in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, the devil doesn't want us to believe that. The devil wants us to think that God will not forgive. Or if God does forgive, he will hold it over us for a a week or so first and make us agonize for a while first. God said, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you and I will make you righteous. We've got God's promise. Now, I know. I've been there, done that. Where you've done something you know you shouldn't have done, you blew up with somebody or said something you shouldn't have said and you go make it right with them and you get it right with God and and for the rest of the day you feel like a rat. Even though I've asked God to forgive me. It doesn't go away deep down inside right away, but it should. I should be able to say, God, I know you forgave me and I accept your forgiveness. Sometimes we don't want to accept God's forgiveness because we want to beat ourselves up a little while first. God says, I forgave you. It's gone. God is an amazing God. And when He forgives, it's taken care of. And we can carry on. We need to rejoice in God's goodness. So number one, we see here that we need to obey in order to maintain victory. Number two, we need to confess to maintain victory. Number three, there needs to be dependence to maintain victory. Joshua feared to pursue Another victory. Verse number 8, or or chapter 8, verse number 11. Back in Joshua again. Joshua, chapter 8 and verse number 11. The situation is such now. God says, all right, now go take after AI. I'll give you victory this time. And Joshua is fearful. And you can't blame him. I mean, they've already lost 36 soldiers. And God says, go get them again. And in verse number 1 of 8, he says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. Neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given it into thine hand, uh, into thine hand, the king of Ai and his people and this city and his land. Thou shalt go to Ai and her, to her king. Sorry, thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto the Jericho and to her king. All right, so God says here, I'm going to give you the victory. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. It's all right. Joshua's terrified. He's thinking, God, I'm scared. We lost that battle over a little tiny city, and I'm fearful. What if it happens again? And you know, the devil will come to us. You've tripped. You've stumbled. And he'll say, oh, there's no sense in trying to get victory over that sin. You're never going to make it. You're going to fall flat on your face again. It's not going to work. You're a failure. You're a loser. It's not going to work. And he gives us all these lies. And God says, no. You need to depend on me. If God is forgiveness and God is for us, who can be against us? So we need to get right with God and stay close to God. And God says, I will give you victory. And that is God's promise. We need to stay close to God and claim that. Joshua was fearful. But what did they do? 
and I won't read the whole thing here, but you go on through chapter 8, and they went up to Ai, and they put an ambush behind the city. And so they put a bunch of people behind the city, hiding in the bushes, and then they came up in the front and went on like they were going to attack the city like usual. And they, they, when the enemy came out, they fled like they were afraid of them and drew them away from the city. And then the ambush went into the city, burned the city with fire. And then when the soldiers turned around and saw the flames coming up out of their city, they said, oh, we're in trouble. We got tricked. And they were defeated. God gave them victory. And you know, you follow through the rest of the book of Joshua, They won all their battles. God gave them victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. Why? Because they trusted God. And folks, we can do it. You can get victory and you can maintain victory with God's help. It's not just us working hard and trying hard, but God says, I will help you. Psalm 56.3, what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in Him. We need to trust God when we're afraid. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, a verse that you must memorize. If you haven't memorized it, you take one look at the verse and say, oh, it's a long one, I can't do that. No, you can't. You need this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God said, there's never going to be a temptation that I face or that you face that you can't handle or I can't handle with God's help. Because God will always give us an escape, the exit. And our problem is, we walk right past the exit, and we keep on going until we get to the point where we just can't resist anymore, and we give in. And God said, you didn't have to do that. The exit was way back there. You passed the exit. If you would have turned into the exit when I gave you the chance, you would have escaped. But no, you walked right past the exit. So we can't blame God. It's our own fault when that happens. God says, I will give you an escape. I'll give you an exit. I'll help you. God helps us and he promises his help. Do not fear. We need to draw near to God and trust him for his grace to win the victory. We can do it. We can do it. And if you're battling with something, if last week God spoke to your heart, or even this week, God says, you know, you need some victory in your life over this area or that area of your life, and you, you set out to have victory with God's help, you may trip sometime. You may stumble sometime because that's part of the human nature to trip when we aren't on guard. But if that happens, you get back up and you confess your sin and you do what's right and then you say, with God's help, I'm going to get the victory. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to depend upon God. And that brings us to the fourth thing that God requires. He requires obedience. He requires confession. He requires dependence. But lastly, He requires perseverance. Perseverance. What do we mean? Keep on going. Don't give up. Press on. Joshua followed God's word and they won the victory. Those guys hidden in the bushes behind the city came out, conquered the city, burned it with fire. God gives them a great victory over this little city. And this was a a boost that gave them the encouragement to press on and continue on their conquering. You know, sometimes people look at this whole conquering of Joshua and think, why did they do that? It seems so cruel. Just wipe out all these people. No, God had a reason for that. The people of Canaan were wicked and vile and filthy with their activities. 
into idolatry and perversions and morality and all kinds of things. You remember back, you turn the clock back and you look back into Abraham's life and God told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you your family this land. But he says, I can't do it yet because their iniquity has not reached its peak yet. And I'm putting that in my own words. God said they haven't become as wicked as the, wicked enough that I can justify wiping them out. But the day will come. 400 years later, the wickedness had increased to the place where God said, that settles it. They are so vile, I have no choice. I have to wipe them out. That's why God went through and wiped out the people. Just like why God sent fire down from Sodom, uh, on Sodom and Gomorrah. Same thing. God said, there comes to a time when the wickedness is so filthy that I have no choice but to pour out my wrath. You know, we live in a world that must be on the verge of pushing God to that point. God's wrath is going to come. We live in a world that is filthy and corrupt. And everywhere you turn, there's sinfulness and immorality and vileness and corruption and rottenness. And you think, how can God wait much longer? I don't know. God's a long-suffering God. But it just shows us the time's coming and we're getting near when God's going to pour out His wrath upon this earth. But as we look at this, Joshua persevered. God gave them victory. And if you will follow God's word, you can be victorious. Never give up. Do not quit. Do not run, run away, but run for the prize. Remember last week's verse there when Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, one gets the prize. He said, I'm going to get the prize. I'm striving to please God with my life. And that's what I'm going to do. And all of us can do that. We need to strive for the prize. In, in Paul's closing words to the Corinthians in that first letter, he said in chapter 16, verse number 13, he said, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. That verse is loaded. Lots there. He says, Watch. Watch, watch, be alert. He said, stand fast in the faith. Don't budge on what you believe and what you stand for in the faith. Stand strong. He says, quit you like men. That means be brave like a man. Be brave. Don't give in. Don't be a coward. Be brave. We all need that. And then he says, be strong. Be strong. Four great Commands for us there. As Paul concluded his letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he wrote to young Timothy, this preacher that he had mentored, and he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. To the Galatian believers, Paul wrote in Galatians 6 verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, but uh, for if In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't say, what's the use? What good is it going to do? I might as well be like everybody else. No, God says, don't do that. He says, you will reap if you faint not. You're going to get the reward. You're after the prize. And you'll reach it if you don't quit. God says, don't quit. Push on. And so, this morning as we look at this, My goal has been to try to charge our batteries and say, you know, when we trip, 
We need to get back up and keep going. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't listen to the lies of the devil, but push on for God's glory. Wars are not won by winning a single battle, but by continuing to win battles until the enemy is defeated. That's the same thing is true in our Christian lives. Victory over sin is a difficult war. Maintaining victory is a daily battle. It's a daily battle. But we can do it with God's help. If you're seeking victory over some temptation and sin that the devil continues to haunt you with, but you've tripped or failed or got discouraged, do not quit. Don't quit the fight. Don't quit. You're not a failure as long as you do not stop. If you stop trying to succeed, then you become a failure. But you're not a failure until then. Don't stop trying to succeed. Get back up, dust off, and push on again. Confess your sins to God and keep going. Follow those four things that we found here in Joshua's life. Number one, obedience. We don't lack information. We lack application. We need to obey what we already know. Number two, confession. When you fail, be honest with God and say, God, I failed. I need your forgiveness. Would you please wash me clean? And he promises to do that and we need to accept his forgiveness and push on. Number three, dependence. Fear not, but trust God. You can do it. You can get the victory. Push on. Don't quit. Don't be afraid. God says, trust me. I will help you if you'll depend on me. And then fourthly, perseverance. Press on and never give up. Do not give up. Push on. You can get the victory.